I want to uh, speak to you for a little while on this subject, Band-Aids. <laughs> I would say Band-Aids. Many have become proficient at dealing with the reflection of life and not the reality of life. Putting Band-Aids on any and everything else other than the real problem in their life. We treat the symptoms and not the cause. Deal with the signs and not find the cure. We work on the byproduct but not the disease. He could see when he looked in the mirror there was a problem but was too intoxicated to apply a solution. I'm reminded of the harlot in Revelations, the 18th chapter and the first verse. This harlot is referred to as a counterfeit of the true bride of Christ. Meaning that there is always, the enemy and the devil will always have a counterfeit for the real thing. And it's only a reflection, but not a reality. And in Revelations, the 18th chapter and the first verse, it's talking about this, and he says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Second verse says this, though. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen. And then he says it again. Is fallen and is become the habitations of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. This is simply talking about the spirit of Babylon, which is the spirit of the harlot. And it says that she carries a foul spirit. That word foul literally means vulgar spirit or an obscure spirit or a lewd spirit or a profane spirit. And she's carrying this and she is like a bird who carries her poison from one place to the next. Intentional. She is intentional about destroying churches from preaching the truth. She is intentional about keeping people isolated from the true word of God and she is intentionally trying her best to spread her poison because she is jealous of God's people which is the bride of Christ. She's jealous of your worship. She's jealous of your attention. She's jealous of you showing up here today and raising your hands and giving yourself to God. She is jealous. And she doesn't like anything and everything you do that represents God or Christ in your life. She carries her poison. And then it says in the third verse, it says, For all nations have drunk of the wine. She has become... So influential that now the nations are intoxicated by her deception. 
It says, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Simply meaning that they're putting band-aids on the mirror and never dealing with the real problem. She is only a perception, not a reality. A perspective, but not truly the house or the kingdom or even the bride of Christ. She is an illusionist that makes you believe that it's real, but reality it is not real. Oh, if I could just get you to understand and convince you of one thing, that you need to quit following religion and looking for a relationship with God so that you can find what is real on your own. Don't just take a preacher's word for it. Don't just live it because grandma and grandpa lived it. Don't just go to church because your friends go to church. You need to find this thing for yourself. Because if you don't get it for yourself, you will be intoxicated by the vices of the enemy. And she will get you so drunk by worldly solutions that you'll be putting bad days on everything other than yourself. I know I have not come here to preach some articulate message. I am here today specifically to draw at your heart and try to get you to understand that God didn't bring you here by accident, but you are here by divine order and he is now reaching into your heart saying, I'm wanting you to get this thing for yourself. You've been doing it for all the wrong reasons and you're going here and there trying to find solutions and if you're not careful, she will spread her poison in your life. But you got to put your nose in the word. you got to get down on your knees and you need to pray and talk to God. And you need to say, Lord, I need a revelation of this great truth. And I'm not going to just do this for anyone other than for myself. Somebody shout hallelujah. The spirit of Babylon is good at seducing people on focusing on reflection and not on reality. See, this word fornication is a metaphor spiritually. It's saying that this spiritual fornication is when people give themselves to her who propagates false doctrine instead of giving themselves to the bride of Christ, which teaches true doctrine. That spirit is a spirit that is sweeping our nation. We're finding cultures that are coming into Christianity that are influencing our young people and influencing our pulpits. Oh, I'm going to preach to you today. They're influencing with culture. But I say this, if you have a culture that's in grievance to God, walk away from it. Amen. There is an American culture. We need to drop that. There is cultures from overseas and all different nationalities and ethnicities that are coming to America. But I'm going to say this. If your culture is against the Word of God, you need to find a way to get 
that behind you and start living according to the word of God because culture cannot save you religion cannot save you people cannot save you preachers cannot save you singing cannot save you oh am I preaching to somebody today amen because if we're not careful we'll line up to everything the church says to do and we still miss God and if we miss that we miss heaven as well They disregard any biblical teaching because they live in spiritual fornication. They have no more values, no moral values. They hate, they murder, they lie, they're prejudiced. Church and Christianity has no value to them. They disregard God and everything He stands for. That's why the Bible teaches us that we shall be hated for his, come on, we shall be hated for his, not because you was being foolish and mean and ugly and judgmental and had a bad attitude and you're self-righteous. No, that's not what it's referring to. It's referring to the name of Jesus shall be applied on your life. And because you have the name, the devil trembles. You may tell you the devil has a revelation of who Jesus is. And he trembles over the thought that if you ever get it, you'll start putting band-aids on the problem and finding solutions rather than just reflections. Talks about nations having become intoxicated on her evil putting band-aids on reflection and not on the problem. And the rich, or excuse me, the earth has become rich because they have eaten of her delicacies. But being so drunk that they won't even realize that her food is laced with poison. This is the spirit of this age. We go back to Revelations, the second verse, and it says this, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. I think it's interesting because Solomon, who was the son of David, referenced this in Proverbs, the 30th chapter and the 14th verse. He says this, there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. Why? To devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. He said there is a generation that is completely excluding God. Now, I know he was referring to it of his day, but it's also speaking to us spiritually, to our day, that there is a generation, that their teeth are as swords. Ah, they'll cut you down in a heartbeat. They'll lie about you. And do everything in their power to discredit your love for God and your living for God. Until we don't even know in the media what to believe anymore. Used to, they had some integrity, but now you don't know what's true and what's false. 
So now we're living in this great smoke screen of what is reality and what is just news. As one person said, and I won't mention names because you won't know who this is. He said fake news. And we're living in a day where we don't realize that the enemy is working at every different direction and from every perspective he can to try to destroy so that we'll live according to the harlot of this spirit of this age and we'll no longer live for God. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time for us to come out of the ruins and not be quiet and we need to open our mouth and declare that there is a God that still is on a throne and there is a people of God that is the bride of Christ that shall arise and declare that we, the people of God, will live according to his word. Live according to his word. Not according to my wants, not according to my desires, not according to my perspective, amen, but according to his word. And Solomon said there's a generation whose teeth are sores and their jaw teeth is knives to devour the poor from off of the earth and the needy from among men. But David, his father, who was talking about the wicked judges of that day. In Psalms 58, who's talking about the wicked judges that write laws that contradict God's law. Just because the land makes a law doesn't mean it's okay. Amen. Because we're a people that don't live just by that law alone. We live according to the laws of God. So while they're writing laws in Congress, we're sitting here saying, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with the word. So why am I conforming to the laws that man has made rather than God's word? So David begins to write. He said, break their teeth. Now listen, do not misquote me. Some of us saying, Pastor preached the message, we need to talk people's teeth out. No, that's not what I'm preaching. This is a spiritual warfare. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that are trying to come against the church. And David is right and break their teeth. The teeth of a generation that has teeth that are like swords and their jaw teeth like knives. Break the teeth out of that spirit. He says, break the teeth, oh God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions and the, uh, the lions, oh Lord. He said, we, we're done with this. I'm getting tired of getting chewed up and spit out every time I turn around. And he says, I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to give you something on the spiritual plane that you'll be able to eradicate every evil spirit that tries to come against you. Do I get a witness here today that God is greater in us than he that is in the world? Why do we back down and move over? No, we need to stand up, square our shoulders, and go directly in and say, listen, devil, I'm tired of this mess, and I'm going to give you a very... Very, very, very hard punch. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. 
Because once you knock the teeth out of the devil, he can't chew you up anymore. He might maul on you a little bit. He's trying to chew you up and he's being, man, how come I don't have any power the, to do anything with this thing? I'll tell you why I don't have no power. You knock out his teeth. No, 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 you got to get what I'm preaching. You knock out his teeth. The only thing you got to worry about is when you come to church, just wipe off the slobber. I walk in here and say, now, you thought you had me, devil, but you don't got me now. I am an overcomer because I have the power to overcome and tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. It's time for the church to put the band-aid on the right place and say, God, I've got some things in my life I need you to fix, and I haven't been able to do it without the power of your spirit in my life. She is fallen in Revelation. That spirit is fallen. Not just fallen, but she's twice fallen. So when you throw the blow at that spiritual encounter, it tries to deceive you. Boom. And she gets back up. You need to let her know, look, I'm not done with you. You get back up. It's not going to be pretty around here. You knock her the second time, she's going to be saying, that spirit, I don't think I'm going to get back up. She's fallen. Oh, let's move on. Let's, let's go back and let's just look at this. In the 18th chapter in the 4th verse of Revelation says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not her plagues. Come out. For some of you that don't realize, this is John preaching prophetically of the end time. And also he's given us a demonstration of the true coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, this spirit is in this age and now I am seen by revelation and the writings on John on Patmos as he begins to reveal these things that we are living right here in Revelations 18 and 4. And he says to us, if you've ever heard the voice of God, you're hearing it right now. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. I'm not going to miss words today. I'm not going to beat around the bush, and I'm not going to come from back behind everything. I'm going to hit you straight in, right between the eyes and tell you it's time to come out from her deceptions and look, he says, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. 
You cannot come out and you cannot be part of God's kingdom until you know that you are sinning. Oh, I thought I had a Pentecostal church here today. Amen. you got to sometimes come out and say, I don't understand everything about this, but I'm going to start learning. And the more you know and the more you learn and you get this thing for yourself, you will realize that this thing can bring you out to an understanding where you can face the enemy and say, Devil, you're not going to get me now because I'm ignorant. I know way too much to fall for your deception. And I'm not going to sit down at your table and drink your wine so that you intoxicate me where I am not coherent in my thinking. Drugs, alcohol, things that... that take you out of your right mind is the doorway to evil, demonic spirits. Tell you, if you're not careful, you're doing drugs and alcohol and you're not in your right mind to actually hold the, the, the line against the enemy's deception. Then it goes from just him antagonizing you to him possessing you. That's why he talks about her plagues. Her plagues. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out. He's saying, Dill with the root of the problem. And you have to understand what those are if you're going to come out. Deal with the root of the problem, which are her plagues, not just the symptoms. So many people come to church just because of symptoms. Not because they really want to deal with the problem. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why do people drink and do drugs? To remove reality. But most generally, they do that because they're not getting answers. And someone who is not getting answers is looking for a way out. That's why statistically we are seeing more suicides than we have ever known in our country ever before previously because people are looking for a way out. So they're looking for answers. And they take themselves out of reality so they can feel better about their condition rather than fix and deal with the root of the problem. Put my scripture back up there. And he says this. 
Well, that didn't go very well. There we go. And be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled, everybody say filled with the Spirit. When you're looking for answers, quit looking for answers from people. Quit looking for answers from religious cultures. Quit looking for answers just from your mom and dad. And quit looking for the, all the answers just from your pastor. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And when you become intoxicated with the Spirit of God, it will take you places you have never been before. And it will help you deal with the issues that are in your life. I speak against every spirit that is vile, that is trying to destroy your life. For it's time for you to rise out of your ruin and get God in your life and put Jesus in your situation. Someone say amen. Wine, 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 beer, drugs, wine deals with the symptoms, but it doesn't fix the problem. The Spirit of God is the antidote to sin. Her plagues are dealt with through the Spirit of God. Worldly sickness. We will do more with the Spirit than we will ever do with our religion. We will do more with the Spirit than we will ever do with our religion. Someone recently said, oh, you got Pentecostal on your building. I said, what do you mean? Well, it says right there, Pentecostal is a phoenix. So are you the only ones being saved? Let me tell you, I've been around a long time. There's probably more Pentecostal people that are not going to be saved that have the name on their door because they got such a sour spirit. They are the ones that are pointing their fingers in everybody's face and saying, you're going to hell. But there's a vast difference between the sign and the heart. When you get it in your heart, it doesn't matter what the sign says. It matters what's going on on the inside. And when you have the relationship with God, I'm telling you, that's when you say, I'm having a Pentecostal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to become intoxicated with this religious stuff that's going on all around me. You know why I preach this strong about Pentecost? Because I have a whole lot of people think they're saved just because they have it on their door. But they have the wrong attitude. The wrong spirit. That's not Pentecost. Pentecost doesn't have the wrong attitude. The whole idea of Pentecost is loving the world like Jesus loves sinners. Okay, I'm going to take just a few more minutes, and please just bear with me. Okay. I finally have been qualified. 
she's, she's my number one fan right there. Sin. And I know this is not popular. A lot of churches won't tell you this because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They're careful. They don't want to, don't want to upset the apple cart. Well, we got to be politically correct, so let's just love people. Tell them if they pray long enough, they'll get that new house. Tell them that if you'll send in a $1,000 offering, that $1,000 offering is going to bring you a blessing by next week. None of it's ever worked for me. I just went broke on all these guys telling me how, how God was going to bless me and, and how if I give this amount. That, and, and I believe in sowing, but I'm going to tell you, that's a bunch of hogwash some of these people are preaching because they're, they're just preaching religion instead of a message that deals with sin. Let me, let me, let me share something with you. Did you know stoning in the Old Testament was God's judgment upon sin? Stoning, stoning, stoning. Someone asked me, well, does it mean we stone people today? No, it doesn't mean we stone people today. Now, there are some other countries that do that. But that's not what it's meaning here. In the Old Testament, sin was the person, and they were to be stoned because the person was the sin. But in the New Testament, sin is separated from the person at the cross. Therefore, we stone the sin. We stone the sin. That's why we still have an altar where a lot of churches don't want to have altars. You know why we have altars? It's so you can come down here and throw the stone at the sin. So that's why you come down and you pray and you say, God, I got some things in my life that don't need to live. I've got things in my life, thoughts that are going through my mind that need to be stoned. Are you getting it today? I've got things that are happening in my marriage that's dividing my marriage. I need to stone those issues today. I'm going to get you now. Come on now. Help your pastor. Don't leave me up here by myself now. Last time you left me up here by myself, I almost preached three hours. And I'm only five minutes into this message. My wife says I'm bad with timelines. And there's some stoning needs to go on. We stone sin. We don't stone people. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the chief. So if you're going to throw anything at anyone, why don't you throw Jesus? What our world needs is to have a Jesus thrown at them. 
And I'll tell you, Jesus, when he's thrown at your sin, and he's thrown at your circumstances, and he's thrown at all of the issues you have in life, I'll tell you what the church couldn't do for you, what mom and daddy couldn't do for you, what ministry couldn't do for you, what Sunday school couldn't do for you, what money couldn't do for you, what that new house couldn't do for you, what that new car couldn't do for you. I'll tell you, this will do everything and well beyond anything and everything you will ever want or desire. Amen. We got too many people playing church. Until we got church where people are throwing stones at each other. Sometimes pastor has to duck. So what just happened there? I'll tell you the greatest way you can throw a stone out of situation is to love somebody. Love them. And let them feel that love. You got to get what I'm saying. Have you ever been around someone that don't like you? Now, I know none of you have experienced that, but I have. Have you ever been around someone that just don't like you? And, and, and they always trying to recruit people not to like you. Yeah. But here's, here's something I have learned a long time ago. When it says in the Bible to love your enemies... I never understood that until I realized that's part of the stone-throwing process. I learned a little phrase later. It says, man, you can kill people with love. I never understood that until I would walk up to someone that didn't like me. And if they didn't put out their hand when I put out my hand, that was the biggest mistake you made. Because now I'm going in for a hug. Come here. You need a hug today. And you start hugging on them and they're like. And they're like, get this guy off me. And they want to be so mad. They want to carry on that bitterness and that, that, that mean spirit of Babylon. Just love them. Casting stones. You know, and then eventually, I promise you it works. Next time you see them, put out your hand and they will shake your hand. It might be for protection, but they're doing it. People need a real Jesus. I said people need a real Jesus. They need to experience what real Pentecost is about, not just words on your door. They need to know that this is more than just putting band-aids on reflections. 
But now we're not going to just deal with symptoms, but we're going to deal with the real problem as we stand. You know, I really feel a very tender spirit coming into this place right now. I do. And I don't normally do this, but I just feel like that God is, is like an undergird, or undergirding, which is like a riptide. Do you know what a riptide is? It's when the ocean breaks on the beach line. That water that comes to the beach has to go back out. So there's what is called a riptide for that water to release back into the ocean. Because all that water can't just come up there and stay. That's what I feel is happening today. Is that there's a, an undercurrent. Something that is happening right now in this place that is working on you in a way you have never experienced God before. Pulling on you. You're saying, I've been to a lot of church services. I, I've been to uh, a lot of altars and I've experienced a lot of pastors preach but right now there's something different something different that is happening and is it possible through the word God has spoken to you to say that there's some things in your life that you need to stone and you need to get fixed you've been to counseling you've been to the psychiatrist You've laid down on their little bench and they ask you all these questions to try to get into your head as to why you feel the way you feel. And then all the while, the Lord is saying, you're trying to put band-aids on a symptom. When I'm here to do more than just deal with your problem that is on the surface, but he wants to deal with the problem that's in your heart. And that's why, man, you look mighty fine today. You look really good today. I'm going to use him for my illustration because he's so handsome. He make him pastor look good. But see, that's where Jesus shows up and begins to knock on his heart. That's what's happening today. The Lord's knocking on his heart. And the Lord says this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman hear my voice, I will come, I will come into him. And what? Sup with him. Let's have dinner together. He says, I'm going to sup with him. And he or she with me. You got to get what I'm preaching because many of us have it. But that's the symptoms. We deal with changing our lives, but never deal with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Until, thank you, son. Until we become proficient 
at coming out of sin. That's why the Bible says he called you out of darkness. We're good at that stuff. Because we got our rules down. We have all of the things that we know how to quit doing the things we used to do. We've got that out of darkness stuff down. But most people don't have the second portion of that scripture down. That is to go into his marvelous light. One, coming out of darkness is the symptom. But coming into his marvelous light is the solution. So what I'm preaching today is there's a a riptide, an undercurrent, an undergirding, if I may say, of God reaching for you, reaching for you, reaching for you. And I don't want you to miss this, this moment. This is your moment. And you need to not worry about anybody else that is around you. Don't worry about who's here, who's not here. This is your moment to come to this place. If you've never experienced God or if you're a church member in this church, this is your moment for the greatest change of your life. So I want the church to do something for me. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you feel like God has spoken to you, and I want everybody even on the platform not to be looking around, I want you to bow your heads. If you feel like the Lord has spoken to you, I want you to just lift your hand in the air and say, Pastor, God has spoken to me. Thank you. The next question I would have and you don't have to lift your hand for this one but we're getting ready to come down to the front and throw stones at our sin we're going to throw Jesus on this slide we're going to put him on the things that are in our life that we know are destroying our future so I want to invite all of you that have raised your hands don't worry about anybody else that when we start coming down here with the crowd that you come with them now here's something I want you to know though there might be somebody that wants to pray with you if you're uncomfortable with that just tell that person I, I, I would rather just pray by myself then, then just let them know and we will let you have that intimate relationship with God that maybe it's just between you and him but there might be somebody that will want to pray with you and if you're uncomfortable with that just let them know and they'll very politely not pray for you and we'll make sure that if that's the way you feel that we won't have people just coming up and praying for you but the reason why we pray is because we believe partnering with someone is to show that we're holding you up in prayer and we're in agreement with you and we're fighting with you so that you don't have to do it all by yourself So as they begin to sing, I'm going to open these altars up. And when you come down, please come as far forward as you can because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to come in behind you and we want to get them out of the altar area, or excuse me, out of the aisle area into the altar. And so please come down as close as you can.